So, welcome to episode three of the Birdie Bug Pod. Um, firstly, I'd just like to say thank you so much to everyone that's listened to episode one and two. I've got to be honest, we weren't really expecting anybody to listen to it, so we've had some nice feedback, so, you know, that's great. Thanks very yeah, much. Yeah, thank you. It's, it is nice to hear that people are enjoying it, and we, we sort of welcome any, any comments and feedback. But Absolutely. Yeah, so, it's yes, it's been, it has been fun, and it's been it's been really nice of you to make those, those comments. Anyway, today, what are we talking about today, Matt? Coffee. One of the best drinks in the world. Oh. I'm heavily dependent on it. I'm very heavily dependent on it. Uh, so we thought, well, it's an opportunity for us to have a little chat just about coffee because it's something that we both love, but also, obviously, the environmental side of things, which is always a little bit sad, and then the sort of nicer, hopeful side of what we can actually do to try and minimise our impact while still enjoying a really nice cup of coffee. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that, you know, in fact, I certainly wasn't until I started reading more about coffee uh, that people are aware, you know, how it's grown and uh, the environmental impact of growing coffee due mainly to the massive growth in demand for coffee over the last, probably since the last, over the last 10, 15 years. Yeah, so, I think it's mainly since like the 1970s, 80s that it all kicked off. And, and it is definitely one of those topics that you don't know about unless you sort of go looking for it. Yeah. Um, and it, I, in, when I started getting into eco stuff, went looking for this sort of very thing. What areas of my life do I consume a lot of something? And what impact does that have? And how can I minimise it? <laughs> coffee was high on the list. Yeah, I think obviously. it might be number one. Um, so... Yeah, it's a chance to try and bring that a little bit more to light. Um, but before we kick off on all the coffee stuff, a bit like last week, we thought we'd do just a quick catch-up. Yes. What you've been up to, what you've been photographing and yeah. seeing. So, Well, what have I been up to? I've been mainly trying to get the last few pictures of the summer migrant birds, the birds that come in April, May time. Uh, they breed here during the summer and then they disappear about now, end of September, early October, little birds like, certainly like the swallows, white throats, black caps, fly catchers. So I've been out trying to get the last pictures, particularly the swallows. And that's been fun because they are now, you know, they fly from here in a week or two. They're going to fly down to South Africa. It's six, a long way. 6,000 miles they're going to fly. Yeah, they do an the... average of about 200 miles a day. So at the moment they are feeding like mad and... I've been watching them over on the fields, stocking up on food. They are feeding on the on the wing, and they are eating for England at the moment. Yeah, well, understandably. So, um, so I would need a so lot that's of energy what, bars for that. That's journey. what I've been doing. I found it quite fascinating, all about the migration of birds. That might be a podcast in its in its own right. So we'll talk a bit more about that some other time. But yeah. so I've been out out and about catching the the last few pics of those birds that in a week or two will be gone. Um, but um, interestingly, some of the birds, and this is, comes down to another climate change issue, may be staying here. Black caps usually will, um, will migrate back to the southern part of the Saharan desert, another 2,500 mile journey for a tiny little bird. But, um, but they are more and more overwintering in England. Just because it's getting warmer. Just because the climate, the, the English winters are... Not that harsh. So, in fact, we have one in our garden over winter. 
Um, nice for photography. Great. A bad sign yeah. of things so that So anyway, that's what I've been doing. What have you been up to? Uh, same sort of thing, trying to get out and get as many photos of all the cool insects before they all disappear because my Instagram's very heavily reliant on insects and over winter they all sort of vanish. Yes, you, know, you have a bit of a, a so lean time, don't you? Trying to stockpile. Yeah. Um, but I did get a cool viewing of a hornet, which apparently is very common where I am. Uh, it was on my road and there was one in the nature reserve and I've heard... People say it's almost like a, a, a common occurrence. And I still find them quite striking yeah. because they are so noticeably larger than everything else flying around. We saw them a lot in France, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, anything around like the pear trees. Yeah. Um, so I have one of those on my road on a big, I think you called it, it was an ivy bush. It um, was an ivy, yeah. And I will say I've never seen so many hoverflies and bees on a single bush. It was mental so you had a lovely time uh, i did have a lovely time yeah. i think the hornet was there trying to hunt them all yeah uh, and i also got to see a hoverfly mimicking a hornet or a hornet hoverfly wow. as they're called and they are again huge and they they do the mimic quite quite well i think uh they are say big for a hoverfly and they sort of got these dark brown stripes and a big head and i think anybody who knows what a hornet looks like probably wouldn't um make the make the mistake of thinking they'd seen one but to an untrained eye or if you just walk past and catch a glimpse of it it's huge uh so I and the reason they do that is well, it's just protection yeah I if guess. you think that not many insects are going to take on no, a hornet no, it's, a, it's a good way yeah. of sort of fascinating trying to, and even you know beyond the insect world a hornet is not to be messed with and so it's yeah it's a protection thing. And did you get a shot i got a nice shot close up of its face uh, which I will be posting at some point. And then I got an okay whole body shot just on my phone because I had all the macro right. set up. Um, so I'll post both of them so people can actually see what it looks like. I didn't get a great shot of the Hornet. Uh, it was it wouldn't land. So basically we've just been out taking pics. Yeah, we? pretty much. But yeah. it's been good just trying, we love. trying to get some photos before the winter takes, yeah. takes hold. Excellent. Okay. Brilliant. On to coffee. Let's get on to one of our favourite things, coffee. Yeah, uh, I start every day with it and have done for a very long time. Uh, yeah, I, start, I, I struggle to function without it from, I don't know, half seven in the morning I have my I have mine coffee. about six and if I don't have a second one by midday I just sort of power down in a corner until somebody feels Yeah, I must admit on. by half past one after, after I've had lunch I do have a, another one. Yeah, we're healthy functioning people. Definitely. Uh, you said to uh, look, me... Look, it's good, it's good for you. Every, everything I've read about coffee, it's not good for you if you drink ten cups a day but it's it's got some real good health benefits. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> you you told me before we started this that you had some fun facts about coffee. I have got some fun facts about coffee, and well, there are there are quite a few actually. Legend has it, or stories have it, that it was first discovered back in eight hundred AD by an time. Ethiopian goat herder who noticed his goats were eating these berries because. Coffee is not a bean. It comes from a cherry-like yeah, yeah, it's a cherry um, berry. It's, part of the same it's the family. seed. Yeah, I think it's it might the be the seed of a of the cherry-like berry. Yeah. And he noticed his goats were eat when they had eaten these berries, got hyper and got really energetic. He called it well. Yeah, they they danced after eating it. They were very energetic, and they didn't sleep. So anyway, apparently he passed this information on to some local monks who then made a drink out of it. And they discovered that it kept them awake at night, which meant they could pray longer. So there's a little bit of a legend around how coffee was first discovered. And that then sort of spread. 
and it spread across the, the monks really spread it then it spread across Europe and of course it came became very popular in places like Turkey and and um, the Arabic countries and yeah so there there's the legend apparently of how well, it started I hope that is true because I hope it's true dancing goats yeah, apparently what, what that's where it started for coffee to be discovered all sorts of great facts around coffee though and of course it's you know it's so it's been around a long time yeah I still um, like my favorite or the thing that I couldn't quite wrap my head around was the fact that allegedly after oil it is the second most heavily traded commodity in yes. the world yes it which is. is crazy and I don't really know maybe I should have looked it up what defines a commodity whether it's it's the the worth of the uh, like industry or whether it's how easy it is to trade or the widespreadness yeah I don't, I, I don't know whether but, a commodity normally is traded on a, a share basis yeah. as well isn't it but so the maybe fact it's that that. that's coming up behind oil yes that is bonkers everybody knows the demand for oil it yeah. is crazy to think that our little caffeinated drink is yeah. that widely traded absolutely and you know there are some there are some other fascinating things when you start to to dig into the history of coffee um there are some bizarre coffees and the most expensive coffee do you, how how expensive do you think the most expensive coffee is in the world well say per cup i am i'm not haven't researched it but if anybody else knows of the youtuber peter mckinnon he's a big coffee drinker and i do recall him spending upward of a thousand dollars yeah that probably isn't but per cup think, that yeah, might that be per kilo bag. yeah so per cup i will say 200 pounds not quite that expensive hundred dollars about 80 and 80 and 90 pounds a cup that is still insane. it's an indonesian coffee called i don't know if i've got the, the the pronunciation of this correct it's called kopi luwak it's an indonesian coffee that apparently is eaten the berries are eaten by an asian palm civet which is like a little feline yeah, cat-like like, yeah, creature like a jungle cat thing it's then digested, goes through his this cat's digestive system, and the enzymes partially digest the flesh and the outer part of the cherry, the berry, leaving the fermented beans, and he then poos it out. They're then extracted by hand, these berries, uh, sorry, these beans that come out, they're washed and dried, and then roasted. They're said to have a very smooth and very distinctive flavour. But it's become one of the most expensive. It is the most expensive coffee. I think there are easier ways to get your coffee. But there is another one as well, which is quite fascinating, because the same thing happens in Thailand. This time it's digested. They are digested by elephants, and actually, this is a this is done purposely. So they mix these cherry berries, you know, these these cherry-like berries, the coffee berries. They mix them with the food that the elephants like, like bananas and other whatever that yeah they're normal diet they're normal diet and they'll mix them in with that and the same thing happens it takes about 72 hours for the elephant to digest this they poo them out they're then extracted by hand and apparently local school students have the task of washing them and extract and and separating them from the poo i see my my thing and then they're roasted and it's called black ivory it's very, very, very exclusive. It's generally only sold to very exclusive, high, five-star elite hotels. Well, I have two things to say. First of all, 
I again referring back to Peter McKinnon, the the YouTuber filmmaker. I am fairly confident that that is what he tried, and he is a coffee like, aficionado. And he said it was horrible. Did he? Well, it's one of the um, rarest coffees in the world. And um, and my second point is I worry about whoever thought of it. I want to know who thought, do you know what, I like coffee, but let's send it through the digestive system of an elephant first. Yeah, I, about, that I've like, got to admit. Because I, I, that can't be something that comes about naturally. There's no, way they went, there's no way somebody went searching through elephant poo and was like, oh, look, it's a coffee bean, let's roast that. It, might, it was deliberate. Yeah, so that was a deliberate action. Beyond, yeah. beyond, I guess, the the niche market of I reckon we can sell this for a lot of money yeah. which I imagine is Maybe why people a, thought about it I was going to say it's a clever marketing exercise is it, but is it? is it like really? how many people really want I that I mean you can just imagine the flyer for that can't you just a, a you know a pile of dung yeah with I, I yeah. think they could find better ways to market yeah, coffee. I'm, also, I'm if it is sure the second that. most heavily traded commodity behind oil, does it need a clever marketing strategy? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, yeah. Uh, that one, that it's one is a bit, a bit of a, a bit weird, a bit weird for me too. But yeah, so these are some of the cool facts around coffee. Beethoven loved coffee apparently, and him being a bit OCD, which he was, he had to count sixty beans out per cup. Before he made his cup of coffee, he counted 60 That's an beans. Amateur. Why is he not doing it by weight? Yeah, I know. Well, so there are all sorts of um, interesting facts. Other interesting facts about coffee. Brazil grows the most coffee in the world. It grows about 40%, produces about 40% of the world's coffee. Uh, what else? Well, it's cultivated in tropical and subtropical climates. Generally at high altitude. It's yeah. better at high altitude. And one thing I did like about it, bees are really attracted to it. And there is... Again, there is a theory that it improves their memory. Oh, there's which, been quite a lot of studies on yeah, bee memory. Apparently, it improves their memory. It means they can go further afield as well to source their food and remember how to get back. So how, oh. they, how they've tested that, I don't know. Well, I mean, I use it to remember to make sure I can get home. So why, <laughs> why doesn't it work for bees? Other interesting things, coffee has more flavonoids, which are anti- Oxidants than wine, so that's a good thing. So, yeah, I'm getting on to the really good health benefits now. It's meant to be uh, very good for your heart, it's meant to be very good for your prostate, it's meant to stave off prostate cancer, which is another good reason. As you know, being an old geezer, that's a good reason for me to drink coffee. Um, So, yeah, so coffee, it's also the only reason I have my degree. Well, absolutely. There's no way I You'd have sub- failed miserably yeah, without it. There's no it, way I was submitting anything on time. And here's another good one, and I, this must be true because it's in the Guinness Book of Records. The oldest recorded cat in the world, um, which is in the Guinness Book of Records, lived to the ripe old age of 38 and apparently drank coffee every morning for the whole of its life. Right, just to clarify, we are not endorsing giving your no, cat coffee. No, we're definitely not. But, but that is interesting. Supposedly, that is the, the case. Coffee's been Coffee grounds have been successfully turned into biodiesel. Yes, I had seen that. Have you seen that one? That one I thought was fascinating. Logs for your wood burners. Apparently. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Uh, I actually had this more for like the eco side of yeah. coffee with what you can do with the waste. So I'll touch on it later. But yeah. you can get like burnable logs wow. that have been made out of coffee grounds and of course smell like coffee coffee i'm sure is used in so- all sorts of um uh 
uh, beauty products as well. It's meant to be a very good skin exfoliant, yeah. skin scrub. I think they used it because there was that massive like hoo ha about microplastics, and it used to be these little plastic beads in scrubs that you'd use yeah. to rub on your face to get rid of, I assume, skin cell yeah. stuff. There was also and a so big sorry. People were looking for a way that we could get that sort of gritty feel in, in yeah. a face scrub that wasn't plastic. And I think yeah, coffee and charcoal are the yeah. two that people often turn to. It's supposedly a good thing for putting around your plants yeah, to keep the slugs off. My eco Sorry. stuff. We'll, we'll get on to the eco bit. While we're doing these facts, what I thought, it's your turn for a quiz. Because you quizzed me and I got yeah. it horribly wrong and embarrassed myself greatly. Nobody's about commented on your very That's heavy right. curly. So. Your mother did. And yeah. she hasn't let me forget it. Six kilo curly. Yeah, six kilo um, curly. So my <laughs> turn to look your, stupid. Yes, your turn. Right. Well, not really. This is just some other fun facts and it's a way of doing it. So, you're casting your eyes across my answers there, so just keep away. Your first question of your quiz, how many cups do you think are consumed a day across the world? It's in Per day. It's got to be in the billions. I'm going to say... See, I'm at risk of completely overestimating it and ruining your cool fact. I'm going to say 8 billion. Damn, you are at risk of overestimating it and ruining my cool fact. Okay, let me change it. 2 billion. It's 2.2 billion. Oh, okay. So, so that's second, pretty good. I, I was basing it on the fact I think it was like 9... I see, I can't remember. It was in the high hundred of millions... In the UK. I've got it down as 98 million in the UK. Right, okay, so that's where I got it wrong, because I had it in the higher hundreds right. of millions. All right, well, 2.2 2. 2 billion cups of coffee. Well, day. going on from that, Starbucks is the is the largest, world's largest retail so coffee which store. Which is then my lowest ranked Yeah, mine too. Chain. How many Starbucks stores do you think there are worldwide? Oh, a million. No, you've got um, that horribly wrong. Uh, 500,000. No, it's only 27,000, oh, okay. which is still quite a lot of retail stores, to yeah. be honest. So you're overestimating <laughs> everything. So probably if I'd have asked you... Oh, no, actually, that's not true. If I'd have asked you about the weight of a curlew, you probably would have said... Eight kilos. Eight kilos, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, next question. How many gallons or litres, if you prefer, of water do you think it takes to make one cup of coffee taking into account the growing and the processing one cup one cup you um, can do it in litres or you can do it in gallons, gallons. Yeah, I didn't think you would see I think I'm going to underestimate this one three to make one cup of coffee you say no, three no hold on to grow a whole like but uh, hmm, that's hard I don't it's know it's a hard question I'm going to say I'm going to say I think three was way too low seven you think seven litres of water? For one cup. One cup. Well, yeah. um, shockingly, and this is where, again, maybe it comes onto our uh, our eco, eco side of it, it takes 168 litres or 37 gallons to make one cup of okay, coffee. Okay, so this quiz has been horrendous. Um Oh, that yeah okay well I've greatly overestimated and I've greatly underestimated so yeah. let's get one in the middle okay so this one you might know which country drinks the most coffee per on a per person basis in the world might surprise people yeah I think I think I was tempted to go US but I don't think that's per person I think that's just because of the size that I Turkey's fame Morocco I'm gonna go Morocco yeah see I would have gone somewhere like that or maybe even Italy the United States, obviously, the Americans drink a lot of coffee. 
it's actually Finland. Finland averages, uh, a Finnish person averages four cups a day. And That's they drink the most amount of coffee. I should have guessed that because some of my stats come from a study that was done in Finland. So I guess right. that would make sense. And funny enough, it's Finland, then it's Norway, so the, then it's Iceland, third. So the and then it's Denmark. Areas yeah, Scandinavia, and they drink a lot of coffee. And lastly, let's do last one because otherwise it's going on a bit too long. Uh, how old do you think instant coffee is? I reckon it came about in the... 1980s so what's that how many years is that like 30 that's 30 well unbelievably it first cropped up in 1771 really and it became commercially available somebody created a brand yeah i think it was called washington's instant coffee in 1900 Blimey, I, I was going on the fact that the demand like skyrocketed in the seven. So I thought that would be a good time to try and make something quick and easy. Yeah. I wouldn't have. I would have thought because I know not a lot, but I know a little bit about sort of the process of making an instant coffee thing. Yeah. That you wouldn't have had the technology until. No, so well, there you go. Seventeen seventy-one. Well, so I didn't fare too well on that quiz. Well, they were tricky. They were tricky questions. The shocking one, of course, is the water. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that's a, even a solvable thing either, but we'll go on to that in a little bit a bit later. So, so anyway, that's the end of the quiz and coffee facts and, and things coffee like facts that. and stuff. So, yeah. Well, one of the things before we delve into the impact that coffee has on the planet, uh, the other thing that is uh, worth mentioning, and I think it's it popped up a lot in the media around chocolate not that long ago. Oh, I might mis- be misremembering, but the fact that coffee is actually in danger itself from climate change. Yes. In the sense that, like you said, it's grown in the tropics. Yeah. And as the areas start to heat up and land use changes and, and we start to so essentially shift which parts of the world experience what weather, the regions in which you can actually grow coffee are shrinking. Yes, they are. They are reducing um, the areas suitable for growing coffee. Yeah, are reducing which, quite a lot. In fact, they, I've got a stat there if you really want it. It could be as much as by 50% by 2050. Yes, I had that. I had it was predicted between 25 and 50% yeah. of the coffee belt would yeah. be shrunk by that amount by 2050, which will obviously mean that the people who grow it might have the potential for losing their livelihood, and it also means for the people who buy it, the price will probably go up. And so Yes, because surprisingly, one, one thing I did read was surprisingly, I think it was... 70% of the world's coffee is grown by small small, small farmers. Yeah. Um, a lot of the coffee, yeah, is grown by a lot sort of smaller farmers dotted around rather than these large corporations. Large corporations obviously then go to the small farmers and, and things like that to yeah. take the coffee. But it does mean that if an area is hit badly, those small farms do lose their livelihood and, yeah. and things like that. So it can be problematic from, from a jobs point of view as well. So as climate change progresses, we get more droughts, we get the shrinking of the coffee belt. Coffee could become more more expensive, potentially more difficult to come by and things like that. But beyond that, it is quite bad for the planet. And I don't want to go too... I know obviously this is a podcast centred around environmental issues. 
there's always the risk of going down the rabbit hole if there is no ethical consumption under capitalism, that whatever we buy, whatever we do has an impact. Yeah. And it can become a little bit too doom and gloomy. But I think it's all still worth knowing these sorts of things because there is a lot that we can do to just reduce it. Yeah, like everything, you know, this doom, when we talk doom and despair, there's always, I, I mentioned it, I think in the last two, there is always hope and there are always, are always things that we can be doing and and uh, the producers can be doing as yeah, well. Yeah, and so we're not saying that, oh, because coffee has these impacts on the planet, we all have to give it up. And Because if you go down that route, we all have to go and live in a cave and not consume anything. Yeah. But it's just talking about which areas of the production cause the biggest issues and what it is that as consumers, because we, we have a bit of power with you know, the whole vote with your pound and, and that sort of thing. We have power to influence which uh, sort of methods get carried on and policies and stuff like that just by how we consume our goods and coffee is no different so we want to make sure that we are doing our bit to the best of our ability absolutely and as always it's the rising demand for this product that has changed the way the coffee producers and growers are having to respond to that demand yeah. so you know coffee is traditionally grown high altitudes under the canopy of uh, tropical rainforest. They like to actually be partly in the shade. They don't like to be scorched by the sun. They like humidity. But it's a slow process. So that that method, that traditional method of growing coffee is a relatively slow process. Yeah, called shade-grown coffee. Called shade-grown coffee. Now, as demand has skyrocketed, obviously they can't grow it quick enough. So the, the bigger corporations then would find other ways and one of the worst ways and what is happening on a big scale now is they are growing it in sun-grown environments so what that means is they are clearing areas they are that deforestation they are clearing trees they're putting rows and rows in coffee of coffee plants and growing it direct in directly under sunlight which is obviously speeding up the, yeah obviously more growth. sunlight means more photosynthesis yeah. and all that sort of stuff so it does speed up the production of the coffee and I think it can also increase yields but it does actually stress stress the plants out as well which requires a little bit more care and more water. There are all sorts of implications because the traditional way of growing under a, a, a canopy of tropical rainforest is also a fantastic habitat. In fact I did read that traditional coffee plantations are one of the best biodiverse habitats. Yeah, I had a stat somewhere. Uh, after a tropical rainforest so yeah so there's a, a natural pest control because of all the the in the reptiles the birds you know they're, well, the they're other insects other everything. insects so um i mean it's a bit like what we spoke about in episode one where with rewilding obviously things work very nicely as an ecosystem yeah. and in a garden if you rewild your garden yeah. you don't need to spray stuff as much because you'll end up with your natural predators yeah. and yeah it is literally we see it a lot in the news when it's sort of around palm oil for example big oil plantations it's a big monocrop it's all the same plant yeah there's no diversity which is just not very conducive to a good ecosystem no and of course the deforestation has devastating effect on the on the insect population the bird population yeah i think on the birds actually i think you can have i think on a shade grown coffee plantation like site there can be between 90 and 100 species of plant and 13 to 58 species species of trees 
And I think I had a stat about the fact that the bird populations are something like 47% higher. Yes, and the insect population as well. I think the insect population was something like... Don't quote me on the 47%. No, I think the insect population was something like 30 or 40% higher. But there are other issues as well. The sun grown, the trees are cleared. Uh, Because there's no natural pest control, they then introduce pesticides, the use of chemicals. That then is into the soil that's in running into the rivers yeah the it does water. cause a lot of water pollution. so so this this speeding up the growing of coffee because of the demand worldwide is a really bad thing yeah and so we've mentioned that uh sort of just deforestation is bad from a biodiversity point of view water contamination again is a bit like last episode with um farms in the uk you wash the chemicals in uh, through the soil, the rain washes it into the rivers, and you get things like um, big algal blooms, and it affects the sort of aquatic ecosystem. You also, if you clear all the trees, get issues with soil. Um, it speeds up a lot of the soil erosion. Then I think I saw it described as a domino effect. If you start having unhealthy soil, and besides the point, the fact the soil store a lot of carbon anyway. Beyond that, as soon as you start affecting your sort of soil health, you then affect all the plant health and it's literally almost like a loop. So yeah. clearing all the trees, which have nice big root systems, and there's a nice big nutrient cycle if you go back to GCSE uh, science. You get rid of the trees, you get rid of all of that, and so it, it just massive knock-on effect on the entire ecosystem. Yeah, because again, going back to the traditional way of growing under the trees, it was almost like a natural fertiliser as well because the trees are... All the you know all the stuff that comes off the trees, the leaves and everything, decomposes. Decomposes. It's become. It has a its own sort of natural fertilizer and everything. Yeah, a big microbiome of. Yeah, it all works. All works. Um, And beyond, obviously, the chemical use as well. If you start growing something in the sun, uh, they dry out, which means you have to use a lot more water. Suddenly, these. It also affects the quality of the bean as well. Yes, apparently, apparently it doesn't taste as nice. No, absolutely. Um, and it, but it is interesting that we we talk about uh, water usage a lot, um, especially when it comes to farming and stuff, and and how that's going to get worse as um, climate change progresses. But of all the plants, coffee isn't that bad in the sense because it likes a high altitude, humid place under a forest. So it's already yeah. in quite a water saturated um, sort of habitat, and then we strip all that away and have to feed it with with water ourselves. And so our massive increase in demand for coffee worldwide has pushed these methods and it has really pushed the issues that growing coffee has i think it's the same with pretty much everything in in modern world in sort of moderation or done in certain ways it's not going to be detrimental but when you've got what was it 2.2 billion 2.2 cups a day? billion cups a day that's quite a lot of <laughs> pressure on the farmers to grow a lot of coffee very very quickly and yeah. then all the other concerns take a bit of a back seat yeah. Uh, so it has become quite a um, disruptive industry. That's all in the production side. And we can influence that a little bit. But beyond that, there's a lot of things from a consumer point of view that's also quite bad environmentally. Plastic waste is Plastic a big waste. one. And we all obviously know about disposable cups. Uh, the, the cups that you get from places like Costa and Starbucks and any other takeaway place they you sometimes think they're recyclable because they're sort of cardboard but they have a big like plastic yeah. lining to keep it warm and sort of watertight I guess uh, which makes them really hard to recycle uh, we actually reached a point 
certainly here in the UK and I think in America as well, where people got really good at taking their reusable cups um, yeah. into into and of course they've all got the plastic lids, haven't they? The ones in the yeah, but they changed that now. No, uh, not I think there is a brand called Veg Vegware. I think it's vegware, and they're supposedly biodegradable coffee cups, yeah. but it depends really heavily on the system that your area uses for biodegrading waste, right. so they're not always. Yeah. Um, but as like a society, we got quite good at taking our own cups in, and lots of, like, Nero gave you double stamps on your loyalty card, Costa gave you points, and so there were good incentives. And then the pandemic hit, and we weren't allowed to pass our cup over to the barista, so we all went back to takeout cups. And I don't know whether people have gone back to taking their own cups or whether that habit is lost. I hope it hasn't been lost. Well, if it is lost, um, you know they should they should be pushing hard yeah. to, to reintroduce that uh, because I mean, and give and give incentive to do yeah, that. Yeah, and I think even it was two two or three days ago. Oh no, it was last weekend. Was World Cleanup Day and. Um, uh, Planet Patrol, which are a, an organisation that go and do big beach cleans and litter picks, and then they do big like brand audits and stuff. And so their whole point is to try and work out what is the main co- like what is the main source of litter that we're finding. Yeah. And still in 2022, uh, single use coffee cups are way up there. And so there is still, even though most of us have a flask or a reusable thing that you can take in, that is still a big producer of waste. And, and obviously, if there's 2.2 billion cups being yeah. drunk a day, not all takeout, but there's going to be a huge proportion. Yes, so that is, that is one of the problems. You've also got issues of plastic in things like pods. So people who use a coffee machine that uses a pod, like the Nespresso or the um, Tassimo or anything like that, you get plastic waste from them, which are really hard to recycle. Yeah, they also, they just do... They, take something like a thousand years to biodegrade yeah. so the, terrible things those aren't good and then you also just have um got paper filters if you use uh things like pour over coffee or an aeropress and you also just have the waste of coffee grounds just in themselves yeah. that is also a, a byproduct of of making coffee so it's it's quite bad from the production and it's quite bad from the consumption but there is stuff that that we can do try and reduce some of our own impact yeah um i feel like i've been chatting quite a lot so i don't know if you want to kick off with a well of course you know one of the big things is there there is a push for going back to shade grown traditional methods and there are various organizations that are are pushing that and giving farmers incentives to do it. it it's not on a big enough scale yet but there is a big push for that um and there are the the problem with it of course is we should be buying and sourcing shade grown coffee yeah now the problem with that is shade grown coffee is slightly more expensive than sun grown coffee for the reasons that we've just said sun grown coffee is grown quicker and on a much bigger scale so but that's what we one of the things that we should be doing is when we're buying our coffee beans or our our uh uh, bags of coffee we should be trying to source it from shade grown coffee i must admit what i didn't do is find out how widely available that is in so, supermarkets and things there are very there are quite a few online places again which we'll put in the show notes and uh give links to that there are some great places like bird and wild which yeah are, so we can get on at the end i've got like a list of yeah, good coffee brands yeah. to look out for so We've, bird and wild is one that's uh, in uh, affiliation with the RSPB, and they do some great uh, links there. And 
Um, they're, they're a good company. There are lots of good companies that are, are pushing. Yeah, and and... I have found that like, trying to find specifically shade-grown coffee is harder. Yes. Um, that is typically requires a bit of Google work. Like You sort of have to go looking for it. Uh, there are a variety of other certifications yeah. to keep an eye on. I think it's always a bit of a caveat with certifications. They're not always like... It's not all or nothing. So the the one that people always say and you should look out for is fair trade. Fair trade. And, and fair trade is not as much about the environment. It's actually more about like the human rights, making sure that the yes. farmers are paid yeah. an actual wage and that sort of thing. So they're not from an environmental point of view, but from an ethical point yeah. of view. Uh, but again, the sort of enforcement and the actual way fair trade certification works is it doesn't mean that you're automatically buying a great coffee, but it is a good thing to look out for. One of the ones, the, the two others that I think are more relevant to our conversation is the Soil Association yeah. and the Rainforest Alliance. Yeah. And both of those are, to, to have that certification, supposedly, you have to tick a number of boxes about your practices. So whether that is shade grown, whether it's uh, organic and so not spraying with pesticides, which obviously then lends more into shade grown coffee, whether it's things like just planting trees or having um, natural habitats surrounding the plantation, those sorts of things. So yeah. Soil it's a, it's Association a, and Rainforest Alliance are two good things to look out for. It's isn't? a tricky thing, isn't it? Because, you know, you go and do your weekly shop, the supermarket shelves are full of bags of coffee, bean, of coffee beans and bags of coffee, and it's a, a simple, easy thing to stick them in your trolley without looking at, you know, the certification around yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's, it's one of those where... The initial effort is high, but the long effort isn't. Because I think most of us are creatures of habit. I would put a bit of money on the fact that most people probably buy the same coffee yes. every time. Yeah. And so once you find one that sort of ticks some of these ethical yeah. eco boxes, you can then just swap the habit out of, we know that's good, put that in the supermarket. Yeah. It's just that, that initial effort of making a bit of research. Yeah, it'd be interesting actually like to do that. the research to see if there are shade-grown coffee... Uh, whether it's available in supermarkets. I've got a feeling that um, your mum said that Waitrose do one. Yeah, and I don't know whether Shaker, but like Union Roasters are known for being very good and they pop up in, they're popping up in Sainsbury's now as well, but yeah. they are typically, yeah, popping up yeah. in Waitrose and, and yeah. things like that. So quite a lot of these brands that you'd only ever find online, you can now yes. find in some of the yeah. supermarkets. So the, yeah, the, more, the supermarkets. more we seek it out, the higher the demand for it yeah. the more the supermarkets will jump on it and unfortunately the the big or the sort of the more um energy intensive method for reducing your own waste is the fact that most coffee bags are not recyclable because yeah. of their weird lining yeah. uh so the the alternative is um to to go to a refill shop and you can fill up a jar but that is like in southampton that's very easy um, in London, it's incredibly easy. But if you don't live in like a big city, or it also means you have to go to another shop. So that becomes a little bit. Yeah, there trickier. are there are. Quite, I mean, we have a local uh, roasting house. You yes. know, uh, in what well, a couple of three miles yeah, away. One in, well, in Goring. So in Goring, yeah. yeah. So um, you know, and they they actually supply their coffee and their beans in paper bags. Yeah. So so there are ways ways to find that that, yeah. that sort of thing sometimes turns people off because say if you do your weekly shop in Sainsbury's yeah. every single week it's suddenly more effort. Yeah. What we'd love to see is and I think they trialed it in an ASDA somewhere in the country is to have refill stations for not just coffee like pasta and rice and stuff in big supermarkets yeah. because that cuts out 
quite a lot of waste. We're, we're quite bad in this country about doing things yeah. like that, aren't we? The other thing, you were saying that the other day to me. That yeah, we are compared quite bad. to the, some of the other European countries. They're, yeah, even they're, they're really be, good, aren't they? Yeah. To be fair, even America, a lot of their big supermarkets do have these massive like wholesale yeah. uh, refill things. Yeah. And it started popping up, and like the university had like a little shop where you could go and fill up a bag of pasta. Again, it's always a bit more expensive. Yeah. So that's always the trade-off. Um, one of the things that gets a really bad rep in the coffee world are the pods. They do get very bad. Very bad yeah, press. I have seen an argument, and I, I don't think it holds much weight, the fact that because the pods have like the exact amount of coffee you need and the machine fires through the exact amount of water, they are very efficient, rather than, you know, we might boil too much water yeah. or make a cafetiere with yeah. too much coffee. They are efficient, but it doesn't change the fact that the plastic lasts for... I think the, the stat that always scares me is that every piece of plastic that's ever been produced is still on the planet. Yeah. So it, it sort of gives an idea. I wonder idea how many how... people listening are thinking, I've got one of those pod machines. Yeah, I mean, I have a Tassimo. We haven't yeah. used it for well, I used a while. To, we used to have yeah. a Tassimo. We don't anymore. You can but... actually get, and I know Nespresso have one, and I think you can buy off-brand ones that fit certain machines. There are reusable ones. So I think oh, they, okay. they're like two bits of metal, that. essentially, and yeah. you put your coffee ground oh, in okay. it and then put it into the machine, and it... Yeah, you take it out, clean it, and so you, there are your own. There are ones that are biodegradable, but again, I issues. Mean, but there are reusable coffee pods. There, there's a huge amount of um, stuff around the coffee industry. Isn't yeah, there? there is a lot. So many different ways of brewing coffee. So many bits of gadge that you can yeah, buy to make coffee. Your brother's got a few. Yeah. He was obviously a barista for a while. He he brews a really good coffee, but. In a scientific way. Yeah, and I think, to be fair, again, I'm going to reference Peter McKinnon. If you go to his YouTube channel and watch, I think it's like the most hipster way to make coffee or something like that. He has something called a Belgian coffee siphon. And it's one of the most, it's like something out of a, like Da Vinci's lab. Yeah, yeah. I want one. And it is incredible. So, yeah, there are lots of different ways. It almost, and, like, distills it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the way you make coffee does make a difference. In general, the pods are not so good. Um, you can... So, I'm a big fan of the AeroPress, but I get through a lot of paper filters. Yeah. Um, but you can buy, again, a reusable metal filter yeah. instead. So, it's just finding those little things to sort of think, you know, I've gone through a, a bag of 90 paper filters to swap that out for a metal one. They're literally like four pounds. Yeah, I must then. admit, I tend to, I, I use AeroPress, I use a cafetiere, or it's a French press, yeah, I think again, it's they're called. Quite good which are which are good. I'd reusable. love to try a mocha pot, I've never tried one of those. Yeah, they're common, I think, in a lot of like the Turkish Again, I think your brother's coffee. got one, he's got every bit yeah, of coffee yeah, gadget, do hasn't he? Yeah, on the stove. Um, but we've got, a, we've got a coffee maker that doesn't have it's got a pour it has this pour over yeah. technology but it, you don't have to put paper filters in it has its own it's like a basket yeah a basket with a sort of gauze filter yeah. in the top and that's really good and then the other thing you can do to try and sort of reduce your waste if you want to go all green fingered is uh, actually find things to do with your coffee grounds so like put them around your plants around to keep plants. the slugs off so they're supposedly quite a good yeah, slug deterrent. It's a very good fertilizer. You have to be a bit careful because I think it changes the acidity of your soil. Uh, so yeah. depending on the plants you're growing, yeah, that that that's sort of for the more hardcore. Gardeners. I mean, it's the kind of thing you can just stick in your com- if you've got compost yes, in your garden. It it's good, really good for uh, that. Good for that as well. And then there are companies out there who try and, like I mentioned very briefly earlier, who try and do stuff with it. And one of them is, uh, say, make logs that you can burn. Yeah, or um, make biodiesel. Or make biodiesel. And I think I heard, I might be stealing that from another podcast, I think I heard that the coffee logs burn hotter and for longer. 
Um, Coffee logs. I've never heard yeah. of that one. That's Which, a if, great if one. If it makes your house smell like a yeah, wow, like a that'd be amazing. Or something, then I'm all for yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so there are there are people out there who are trying to find innovative ways of making use of what must be a, a big byproduct from yes. the 2.2 billion cups of coffee. I wonder how much, how many coffee grounds are grounds yeah. I put into so the, <laughs> yeah, in so a week. It's quite a lot. There are quite a lot of things that say we can do choosing choosing your coffee, make sure they're sort of um, coffee companies who are trying to do their bit. Maybe look at how you're making your coffee. It might be a faff to clean out the the reusable pod. If you've got if you spent X amount of money on a nice fancy pod machine, I can understand people not wanting to lob it in the bin. So have a little look to see if you can get a reusable one. It also then gives you the complete freedom of deciding what coffee you put in that pot. Yeah. Which again links into either the environmental side or just your taste. If you have a particular flavour or a particular coffee you want to try, you can whack it through your machine. I'm definitely going to try the, the coffee grounds on my around my plants and yeah. things that slugs like. I'm definitely going to try that. Um, so what I thought we would sort of finish off on is we've touched on it slightly, obviously, with Bird and Brew. Was it Bird and Brew? Um, uh, Bird and Wild, Bird and I think Wild it's called, yeah. Is that, like we've said, some of these eco-ethical coffees can be a bit more expensive or a bit harder to find and so we thought we'd give you a few names or a few things you could look out for next time you're you're looking yeah. to buy your coffee so we might as well start with with bird and wild yeah bird and wild's a good one actually it's one that's close to my heart because i'm an rspb member and they they're in uh they're in say affiliated with this bird and wild and in fact it's a really good website if you go on the website there's a whole load of information about shade grown uh, coffee and why it's so good and certainly why it's so good for the bird population in the areas that they're they're growing the coffee so um, that's one that's particularly close to my heart and funnily enough your mum being an impetuous person that she is has already ordered two bags of bird and wild shade grown coffee so that's on its way to us I'll be interested in the next couple of days it is for example I pay what do you pay in the supermarket for a bag of already ground coffee uh, about anywhere, four pounds yeah, about four or five they're quid. about six pounds a bag yeah, so bad. it's not too bad it, it obviously depends if you drink a lot of coffee then yeah. that will increase your monthly spend but which it will with me of course but um that'll be interesting yeah i'd be, I'd be interested to try it one of the things i was quite pleased about is it turns out cafe direct which is a brand most I would have thought most people would know yes. because they're often, what, £3.50 yeah. a bag in any supermarket, any corner shop. So really, really readily available was actually our first, uh, the UK, that is, first fair trade coffee brand. And they apparently work very directly with their producers and their fair trade and do quite a lot to make sure that the farmers that they work with have a livable wage and things like that. And I think I have got a stat that they actually invest up to 50% of their profit back into grower communities and things like that. So, And they've given over £6 million back to their farmers. So wow. from an ethical consumption point, not having to spend £6, eight, £12 pounds a bag, it's three fifty in every supermarket if you're just trying to do a quick swap cafe direct are supposedly quite a that's quite a good, a good brand. I, I haven't tried that I, so I've i will used, have to try I've, i think in my little coffee notebook i've reviewed like four different yeah. cafe direct and they really they are nice um so I was, can i get I a strength chuffed. five though that's yes. the thing you get strength five uh espresso one and i think there was a strength five like there's equivalent of like the taylor's after dark that sort of one yeah because i mean i i like a strong yeah. really strong Their dark Machu coffee Pichu one is particularly nice as well um, the other two companies I had two more companies that I wanted to throw out there was Grumpy Mule 
just because I love the name. That's a good name. And again, I found them in Sainsbury's. I, I found them online and I found them in a few supermarkets, but they are they their branding and everything like that is heavily environmentally friendly. They push it a lot. Yeah. So another readily available, bit more expensive. And Odd Coffee was the last one. Now, not something you can find in the supermarket, but they take beans that large chains like um, Starbucks and Costa or, or supermarkets that haven't used, they take them, roast them, and pass them on. Sometimes they're already roasted, grind them up, and I think they even do pods as well. And so they take what would be wasted coffee because for some reason they haven't gone through to be used in uh, yeah. a chain, and they take that perfectly good coffee and, and package it off. So they are just literally using a waste product. So yeah. another one to look into just because... Yeah, and like like we've said earlier on, it, it's small steps, yeah. but small steps, you know, turn into big things and... You know, so I think it, we all need to be a bit more mindful of the coffee that yeah, we're buying. Yeah, same with everything. And and like I mentioned with the reusable coffee cups, it was a big campaign and public sort of thing that for a while, until the pandemic was working, people were taking, everybody had a reusable cup. They were collecting their little benefits from their um Yes, let's all go back to doing that. And so that, that worked. The, the pushing for people to have a reusable cup worked. And it changed what the like Costa and Nero that changed what they were doing to accommodate the fact that people didn't want a disposable cup. So again, if we start pushing, whether it's fair trade, shade grown, whatever the, the certification, we start pushing the demand for that, the suppliers will end up Well, listening. gradually change, and so they'll it, gradually it does, change, won't they? It's, it's daunting looking at these problems, but it's reassuring to know that we do have a little bit of power each, and then all together we end up having more power yeah and it's also reassuring seeing brilliantly named companies out there really trying to to push because nobody wants to give up coffee i'll stop functioning well it's just, so, it's just not just a thing to the, contemplate no. is it but so it's it's reassuring to know that people are trying to make it well i'm really looking forward to to trying this bird and wild shake grown coffee so yeah, that's I'll going to be fun you're going to have to come and have a cup and see what it's like and um you know they've got they've got uh i think quite a few different um, strengths and different different types of coffee that you can buy from them. So we'll give it a try, and let's all get a bit more mindful about looking for yeah. for you know those types of coffee. Yeah. Long, see if we long can... story short, look at the coffee you buy and how you make it, and just see if you can make a couple of swaps yeah. just here and there. Yeah, and just all become a little bit more, say, a bit more aware of the impact some of our habits have. Well, I certainly, and you know, doing doing some of this research for this podcast today um there were certainly things in there that shocked me that yeah. certainly the the amount of water that it takes uh, I, I guess that's you know that that changes a little bit going back to the traditional methods because yeah. i don't think they're using as much water as the the, the sun-grown ones so all of those little things trying to 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 get back to those methods um it, going to help so but yes there's certainly Lots of things that came up that, that uh, were interesting yeah. to me about And if coffee. nothing else, this is purely an excuse to go buy a different bag of coffee and then have a go. And we all like to try a different yeah. coffee. So just Because you are right. We all go in, we bag, we grab our bag of Taylor's Yeah, and also I don't actually know. I haven't looked into Taylor's, so I don't know if they're bad or good. No. But, but it's just a very well <laughs> But you know what brand. I mean. You, yeah. you go and grab the same bag of coffee every, every single time. Every single much. time. Because you get one you like, that you like and yeah. then you'll stick with that and... But actually, it's really nice. I know when I go to your brother's, um, you know, he's got all sorts of different types of coffee and he's grinding 
different uh, different levels of grind and different yeah, temperatures and different ways of brewing the coffee. Like playing around with I think the ratio. he's got a mocha pot, hasn't he? Yeah, play around with the water to coffee ratio. Yeah. I mean, there are subscription ones like Pact, who again are quite good and send you a whole variety of coffees. Yeah, so it's actually fun trying out yeah. some different some different coffees, and if we can try some different the right different coffees uh, to make a difference, yeah, that's going to be a good thing. I think so. But there we are. Drink coffee, so, enjoy it. So do yeah. so responsibly, yeah. like alcohol. Brilliant. Okay, well, that, I think, is the end of our coffee pod. Oh, and just quickly, <laughs> actually, I, I stuck our um, contact, like, ping us a message on Instagram. If anybody has, like, a really good coffee or a good eco coffee, ethical coffee that they love, do ping it our way. That'd be brilliant. I, I would love to know what everyone's drinking and I would love to give it a yeah, go. Yeah, no, that'd so be really interesting as well, wouldn't if, it? If you do have a particular favourite, ping us a message on Instagram or, or something yeah, like good that, shout. Then, then that would be awesome. Good shout. But, yeah, thank you again for listening. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye. Bye. Ah, ah, ah.